folks. It is Wednesday. I'm Drew Berkowitz. This is my show. Damn glad to be with you guys. Tons to get to, as always, today. And we're going to start off the top with some news that broke earlier today that Kevin McCarthy, former Speaker of the House, is resigning. Stepping down, saying bye-bye at the end of this year. He had a, uh, a video announcement that he decided to share with us. We'll get to that um, here in a second. But first, we got to play. Actually, let's just get to it. We'll, 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 we'll imagine we played the news cruise bump. Well, and I can play it if you want me to. All right, play it. Let's just play it. Let's do it the right way. So as I was saying, Kevin McCarthy resigned. He told us here in this video that he sent out to the masses on social media. Take a listen. Seventeen years ago, I was elected to a seat in Congress that I couldn't get an internship for. Today I sit here having served as your whip, leader, and as the 55th Speaker of the House. As the son of a firefighter from Bakersfield, my story is the story of America. For me, every moment came with a great deal of devotion and responsibility. Giving my best to all of you has been my greatest honor. I'm proud of what we have accomplished. We won a House majority twice. We elected more Republican women, veterans, and minorities to Congress than ever before. We reduced the deficit by over $2 trillion while protecting the full faith and credit of our nation. We kept our government operating and our troops paid while wars broke out around the world. Traveling the country and serving with all of you I have encountered far more people that want to build something than those who want to tear it down. I have faith in this country because America is more than a country. America is an idea. Today I am driven by the same purpose that I felt when I arrived in Congress. But now it is time to pursue my passion in a new arena. While I'll be departing the House at the end of this year, I will never, ever give up fighting for this country that I love so much. To all those who have supported me through the years, especially our constituents, thank you from the bottom of my heart. We did our part. And when the stakes were the highest, we rose to the challenge. We were willing to risk it all, no matter the odds, no matter the personal cost. Simply put, we did the right thing. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. That's a wrap. So I, I don't know if we're supposed to like have like an emotional feeling from that, the way that they did it with the piano and him leaving, empty chair. I feel nothing. Uh, 17 years is too long. It's surprisingly a lot shorter than other people who still are in office there. But 17 years too long. Again, this was never supposed to be a career. 
it was supposed to be a civil service, a, a duty that you offered yourself up to do for your state, for your constituents, for a term or two. I know it doesn't say that anywhere, but that's, that's how it's supposed to be. 17 years. He's had some key roles, but he talks about, he talks about how his, this, this is the American story. It, it, it actually is if you just insert the word politics. Your story is the American politics story. How you use the system, manipulate the system, take advantage of the people. Uh, yes, that, that's true. It's not the everyday American story, but, but it is the American politics story. But I love, too, how he ends with, or not ends, but gets close to the end. I, I'm, I, I haven't stopped fighting, and I'm not going to stop fighting for America, even out of this position. Wh when have you fought for America? Never. I mean, as the 55th speaker, very short-lived, by the way, you, you accomplished absolutely zero for the American people. You can't say you fought for the American people when you don't have a list of accomplishments <laughs> to go along with it, right? I mean, this doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't work that way, but he summed it up totally at the end where he said, I did it the right way. And that is neocon rhino talk for, I'm just a happy loser. I wasn't going to sacrifice my convictions or my character for, you know, the, these recluses of these MAGA Republicans that, you know, the Freedom Caucus people. That's the wrong way. We need to work together with our friends on the left. Yeah. That's all he's saying. Right. He's, <laughs> they try and get at you with the piano music and this down-home folksy guy, son of a firefighter in Bakersfield, California, and, you know, I'm true blue, you know, red, white, and blue American, and I'm fighting for the little guy. And it's like, no, you're not. We all see through this facade that you're putting on. Yeah. We, we see every rhino do that. You could insert Mitt Romney in there, and it would have been the same result. He doesn't mean anything he's saying. He's just trying to play on emotions of people that are his hardcore supporters. And he wants to draw this distinction between himself, the Freedom Caucus, and Trump supporters. Yeah. I guarantee you, we haven't heard the last of him. He's going to appear on CNN along with Liz Cheney, you know, and the the rest of the so-called Republicans to to be you a know, pile on Trump. This yeah. is all he's doing. And you know what? It's the Rhino Circle of Life. He's going to appear on the board of Raytheon or the board of Netflix or the board of um, oh gosh, what, what the the cor uh, News Corp that owns Fox News. You know, like what like the other turd that was there. Paul Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he's going to look. Let's be really clear. And he knows it, too. I don't think anyone's even doubting that, but he's going to end up just fine. He's going to be a OK, mm -hmm. do far better than he did there, <laughs> yeah. uh, financially speaking, by the way, which he still did better there. I imagine I haven't seen his books than he should have. But it is just funny to hear this so dramatic <laughs> over the top product, you know, produced exit. It's like, if you realize you just got ousted as the speaker. But I did it the right way. I've got my dignity intact. Okay. Whatever you got to tell yourself, Scooter, you don't. And, and look, I, I don't know the guy from Adam. I'm just straight up saying, I, 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 I've not seen you do anything for the American people. I would take a different approach if you had. I still think you're a rhino. 
I still think you're establishment, but if you had done some good things, I would applaud you on those good things. You just didn't. I just, I just don't see it. It's just not there. So this is where we are. But let's go to the new Speaker of the House, the current Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. And there's been some up and downs already on that. Some good things. Don't know if he's real in terms of his views, his beliefs, all of that. Hope so. Hope so. I, I really like what he says and who it appears that he is. But then you also, you know, there's there's weird things. It's like, oh, but you went wrong there and stuff on Ukraine went wrong there. And then he talked about this. He talked about the January 6th footage that he's going to put out, but, but not before faces are blurred. Take a listen. I think the January 6th committee was a partisan exercise. Uh, they, they, they claim that it was bipartisan, but I think we all recognize that the, the two Republican members that served on that uh, committee uh, had another agenda. I, I think that what we got was a biased report. I think they hid some of the uh, important evidence. And uh, look, we want the American people to draw their own conclusions. I don't think partisan elected officials in Washington should present a narrative and expect that it should be uh, seen as, as the ultimate Truth on it when we know that they hid certain elements. The release of the January 6th tapes was a critical and important uh, exercise. We want transparency. We should demand that the American people do. We trust, House Republicans trust the American people to draw their own conclusions. We should not, they should not be dictated by some narrative and accept that as fact. So they can review the tapes themselves. Uh, we're going through a methodical process of releasing them as quickly as we can. As you know, we have to blur some of the faces of persons who uh, participate. In, in, uh, in the events of that day because we don't want them to be retaliated against and, uh, and, and, and to be charged by the DOJ and, and to have other uh, you know, concerns and problems. So uh, that's a slow process to get it done. We're working steadily on it. We've hired additional personnel to do that. And uh, all of those tapes ultimately at the end will, will be out so everybody can see them and draw their own conclusions. Let me go to okay, so <laughs> let's, just, let's just step through this. And, and I'm going to try and be fair here, too, because the, I have some concerns with it. First, I love that he said, and I, I get it. You're trying to be just professional and polite. Uh, I don't necessarily play that way as much. But he, he references the two Republicans on the committee. You'd have a lot more respect for me and other people if you said two people pretending to be Republicans. Kinzinger and Cheney are not modern-day Republicans. They just aren't. But he talks about... You know how they they the left and the government has hid elements and how we need transparency and then goes on to talk about blurring faces now he says it and tries to justify it by saying we don't want other people that were there being prosecuted by doj i think there's probably some semblance of truth in that in terms of what how he mike johnson feels i hope and that's that's kind-hearted if that's the case however who else was on the ground that day? It's not because it wasn't just everyday Americans who went to D.C. for the, the, the rally and the, and the walk and, and, and all of that. There was other people on the ground and you blur that out and all of a sudden you don't have transparency because you've provided more cover for people who were there instigating and fabricating this whole damn thing. I mean, that's my take, right?
Yeah, there are undercover police officers clearly in that crowd, as long as well as Antifa members and other assets of the security apparatus. We all know that. And for him to say that faces have to be blurred so the DOJ doesn't go after these people is absolute bullshit because they've had this video for two years now, and they've gone after everybody that they can identify from that tape. Right. So him saying he's uh, trying to blur the faces uh, of— of regular people in the crowd to to mask their identity so they're not prosecuted against is total bullshit. He's lying. He's yeah. totally lying. He knows damn well that they're blurring the faces of all the undercovers in, uh, in other security apparatus assets that were in that crowd. That's all it is. You're a little bit more kind about a little bit more kind to Mike Johnson than I am, but he's an absolute liar at this point. We all know it. Just due to the fact that they've had the evidence for two years. Yeah. And they've well, rounded up thousands and thousands of people. Right. No, except I, for the bomber. I'm just giving them benefit of the doubt. I mean, I you you two liked him weeks ago, and then there's been some questionable things. Right. He so, lost me with this. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, he did, too. I mean, I think what happened here— is I'm, what I'm saying is I want to root for the guy. I want to root for somebody, for, for the love of Pete. Can we just get somebody who's genuine— Anywhere, uh, the answer I think is is sadly no, except for a few outliers. But I think the conversation that happened here is the DOJ, who's obviously very corrupted, at least at the top, right now, went to him and said, "Look, you're not releasing those tapes unless you do that." And he's and he had he was like, "I well, I have to. I said that I'm going to release it. That's going to kill my credibility if I don't." Okay, you can release it after we blur all of our people out. That's the only way you save face. It seems like you're doing what you said you would do. But really, you're not, because we've already covered it up. I mean, I, I, I think you're right. I, I'm not disputing it. I, I just— I know. I feel the same way you do. We're constantly picking on all these people on the right, uh, uh, Republicans, who continue to let us down. And so I think, at least for myself— when things don't go perfectly, and I know there has to be some give and take, you know, with bureaucracies and this and that, and so it just leads me down to this path of perpetual disappointment with the right. So it's like whatever compromise that I see from any Republican is, uh, to me, a white flag of surrender. Yeah. No, and, and I think it should be taken that way because that's essentially what it is. And in the past, maybe maybe it could have been, okay, you're trying a different tactic. You're trying to do the right thing. Probably not still. But we're at a point in time where you just can't play nice and you can't surrender or even do something that is perceived or, or viewed as, as surrender. It's got to—you got to go friggin' hard to the hoop. There's just so much at stake on so many levels, on so many issues. I, I, It's—we just need balls, we need ball. We need people who walk up. You know, some people put their notes down. Some people put their their water down or their coffee down on the podium and then start speaking. We need someone to drop their balls down on the podium. Right. That's. Yeah. I'm not sure that would be able to air. Well, but you but, know, do it. Blur that. Blur, if you're gonna blur shit out, <laughs> blur, that blur out. my balls out because I'm putting them right down here on the podium, and you're all gonna listen to what I have to say. Well, yeah, uh, this reminds me. You know, when remember when Obama was was campaigning, he said, "I'm gonna bring troops home." But then what happened when he got elected into office? He sent more troops because he got the debrief. Here's what's actually going on. Here's what we need to do. This is why we're still sending people overseas. And I think I think I agree with you, Drew. It's something to where he got briefed on something, and this is— Sorry. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Sorry. <laughs> but I think he got briefed on something, 
to where they're like, you can do this, but this is what we have to do. And so he's trying to make good on his promises, but also make good with the DOJ, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to placate them from having their assets being recognized. Yeah. Which we know that they're there. And if it's released, there's going to be people, you know, on the right who are going to go through frame by frame and start identifying people. I, and the, I, I guarantee you there will be people that pop up on Antifa arrest records because we've already heard it from people that were there at January 6th who were protesting who turned— as it was happening, saying these are Antifa dudes. We've seen them. We've we've seen them in Seattle and Portland, right. all over the place. They were there, being paid by our government. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and yeah, it's just. I mean, <laughs> again, it's it's complicated. It doesn't have to be. Well, and, and even still, there's people that we know that were just in D.C. that day, weren't there, but they traced because of their cell phone coordinates. Then they they've been flagged by the government like, well, you were there like, well, I wasn't at that part, but I was in the vicinity and they didn't have their face on footage. But it was all th- so at the same time, any if, if, they, if those people can get flagged, anyone can get flagged by just the geotracing that you have on your fancy. What do you call it, Tom? My Chinese listening device. Yeah, Chinese listening device. Well, and also, too, you you have air marshals now following people who were at January 6th. The uh, the woman the one of the people in charge of the air marshal service had confirmed that wow. that they're no longer on airplanes they're following people from January sixth. It's just hilarious. <laughs> you guys aren't trained to do any of this stuff, but we're gonna go ahead and and reposition you onto people that aren't real threats. Not only are they following people from January sixth, but they're also following family members of people who are there on January sixth. And most notably. We have one of our air marshals who's following around a four-year-old child because his father was there. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, very thorough, very <laughs> thorough of them. Kudos for them. I mean, I mean, not kudos, but exciting probably for the air marshals. They actually get to do something for once. So, um, see, I, I always thought it was you were a U.S. marshal, and then when you got on a plane, you were. I know they get trained to be air marshals. Totally but separate. They're, but they're separate? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I thought they were... U.S. Marshals are DOJ. Air Marshals are, are DHS. Gotcha. New thing. Um, to- yeah, totally different. Different. Yeah, different different all the way across. So, um, I mean, the U- there's some badass U.S. Marshals. And to be clear, there's some badass Air Marshals. They're not badass because of their job in the Air Marshals. They're badass because of what they did before. But there, but some of the U.S. Marshals are are really impressive. Um, uh, I mean, I like the reason why I ask is because I have a family member who was a U.S. Marshal, yeah. and he said anytime he flew, he became the Air Marshal on the plane. Well, eighteen elevens. If you're a special agent, you can fly on a plane with a firearm. Maybe they had a program back in the day where they said you're you're flying, you're doing. But I don't think so. It's but I know for a fact it was post nine eleven when that happened for him, where it was like it switched to where he could then fly with like while carrying. Yeah. So yeah. So, uh, okay, <clears throat> let's, let's move to the border here. We've got two Mayorkas clips for you. I know everyone's excited. Yay. You're welcome. Happy Wednesday. But he says, because this kind of leads into the second clip, but he says in this first one about how he, DHS, but moreover the Biden administration, attacked the border issue, went after it with strength and resolve since day one in office, which of course is utter trash and just a laughable statement but here that was just to kind of tee things up 
Uh, let me make this perfectly clear. The immigration system has been broken for decades, and our Department of Homeland Security has been underfunded for years and years. And President Biden uh, has addressed both issues uh, with strength from day one. On the first day of his administration, he presented Congress with legislation to fix our immigration system. And we have submitted to Congress a supplemental funding bill that will resource our department. F fix our immigration—I mean, could you find one sliver of truth in there? No. I, I sure couldn't. Well, he said that he they, they offered up—Biden uh, offered up some stuff. Was that the one where he sat on the first day going, what am I signing? Was that the— is that the one he was talking they about? They want amnesty, <laughs> and they want all the illegals to vote Democrat. That's all yeah. this is. That's, that's what they want. They want a voting block. You know, Mayorkas, every time that I see him, he's just—he's he, another one that whatever he's saying is a total lie. Right. I mean, the guy's as worthless as a discarded Kleenex in a peep show bathroom. Mm. That's it's a lot. It's a lot, too. <laughs> to think about yeah uh, i mean i can't stop seeing it now but in my no, head. that's the bottom line with them <laughs> in the whole immigration process they need people who are dependent on the country so they can flood the system and break it down so they can rebuild the system in the image that they want they already have a voting block with the illegals that are coming in they're going to have uh, like i said people who are dependent and they'll always vote because they don't want any of their goodies to be taken away and now little dick durbin wants them to be able to join the military. And don't think for one second that if we do allow illegals to to join the military, that they're going to hesitate turning their weapons on us. Do you really think these are people who are coming to our country who only who identify with the countries that they come from? It's different if you come to this country as an actual immigrant and want to be an American and assimilate and then join the military. I have no problems with that. But to say, hey, you know, these instead of having, you know, these dudes who are fighting age hanging out at the bus terminal in New York City, you know, let's swear them in and give them guns. Yeah. No, it's not. It's it's obviously not a great great idea or policy. Now they don't walk around with guns the whole time, but they but 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 yes, I mean it's 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 a it's a bad policy. Pretty much anything Dick Durbin says. I mean, Dickie's not the smartest guy. He's 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 no, like, he's blocking the Epstein flight locks. Yes, he sure is. And acting like he doesn't know who Epstein is. Yeah, no. Wait, who is that guy? Yeah, I've heard I, I the name before. Yeah, <laughs> playing dumb on it. Like, come on, bro. We understand why you're blocking them. Don't pretend you don't know who who he is, what those logs are, any of that stuff. But to to, to go back to Mayorkas for a second. They, he talks about how they attacked this with vigor and with strength and did it right from day one, which obviously is completely false. We've got no border. We've got massive problems from said open border. And and it's it's right in their sense. And they're doing it with strength in their sense because they see overhauling the system as as a positive for them. It's not for us, but we, that's never the case. Right? That's never the, the question. It's not about is it good for the American people. It's about is it good for for them, for the elites, and then they'll just tell the American people whatever they tell them. But he goes on to say that 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 the adding border wall or or the border wall in general, adding new customs and border patrol agents, and limiting asylum, something that of course Joe Biden and this administration want to do more of. Uh, they want more asylum. That is is 
violence to our fundamental values, I think, is what he said here. Let's take a listen. And, Mr. Secretary, to the point of needing Congress to act, what Senate Republicans are pushing for, really, right now is very similar to H.R. 2, which passed the House to Secure the Border Act. And just to name a couple of things in it, you know, restart construction on the border wall, increase the number of Border Patrol agents, limit asylum, narrow the president's parole powers. Why is that unpalatable to the administration? I would say two things. One, we've presented um, uh, proposals uh, that address the situation, that provide real practical solutions, and also uh, do not do violence to our fundamental values. We are a country of refuge. We do have asylum laws. We do have mm -hmm. refugee laws. We, um, we abide by our international obligations that are longstanding. And so that is my response to that. Some of the uh, proposals are, are reasonable and worthy of discussion. Okay. Others are frankly not. But none of the proposals actually secure the border or allow our Customs and Border agents and other officials under DHS, the DHS umbrella, to do their jobs. So there, you, you can't be proud of those. We are this country. We are a melting pot in a country, but we've always had people do it the right way. This conversation here is, is, is eerily similar to me to the mail-in voting. We, we love immigrants and people coming here to America. We've always been that. Yes, true when done the right way. There is a huge, vast difference that they're literally polar opposites of how you're doing immigration and letting people come in for free on the taxpayer, them not following any process, breaking the laws along the way, and people who did it the right way. They're just totally different. Just like when you talk about, we've always done mail-in ballots. We've always done this. Yes, absentee ballots that are legal and checked and there's identification and there's a process for it as opposed to just universal mail-in ballots. They are so far opposite, but they, uh, they, they get away with this shit because they know Americans are dumb. I know I always say that. Hopefully you guys aren't offended, but <clears throat> we are. As a country, we're dumb. They won't figure out that there's difference, that there's nuance to it and that this is cheating and that this is legal and that this is, this is you know, actually coming into the country the right way and this is not... They, that that they rest their laurels on that I, I i'm i'm really honestly envious of them that they get to just play the game that lazily and just be like you're an idiot we would never break the law we love america when in fact all they do is redefine things break all the laws and they loathe america to the point where they're actively trying to break it all the way down to start it all the way over in a new way that that benefits them and screws all of us I, I to me one of the things that stood out when he says the, uh, about you know what's being proposed is, is doing violence to our fundamental values. This is the type of shit that we always see the left say. They use words to try and incite some sort of emotion. Right. And it, for them it's all about emotion. And what he's trying to do by saying that is is Munchausen by emotion where he's trying to exploit the general good nature of people 
by saying something is violent. We're doing violence. All of a sudden, words become violence. And I know he's talking about building a wall. How is building a wall violent? It's not violent. It's saying that we're a sovereign country, and if you need to, if you want to come in here, then you need to go through the proper channels and come through the front door. And so you have catchphrases like that. Like we all, we all seen the left is really good with catchphrases, and they link on to them. They love bumper sticker diplomacy yes. that's all they do that's all they're about and this is a further example of it because they give no concrete solutions because the solutions the outcomes that they want are not palatable to the american people even to democrats you have to go hard hard to the left for them to be palatable so that's why people like him and others within the regime can never be honest they have to cover up what they're saying with this flowery douchey language that people like him use all the time they can't be direct with the american people because if they were the american people would reject them and know that they're communists yeah yeah truth truth i, t I totally agree I totally agree. Well, what what do you think of Jasmine Crockett? <laughs> I love her in a, you know, uh, kind of a, what's it, uh, you know, you know, just kind of in a, I don't world star hip hop way. Yeah. She's a character. She'd be great on a reality television show. Oh, she'd be perfect. And that's what we're turning into with the, everybody on the left. You yeah. know, they're trying to, you know, outwoke each other. Right. So we're having the great woke off with the left. Yeah, you, you are. And, and they've created like these gimmicks for themselves. Like she feels like she's a gimmick. I'm not. I, I mean, I I think she's genuinely just as dumb as she sounds. Yeah. I mean, she's got the fake eyelashes, the extensions, the nails. You know, she she would be great on you know loving hip hop or you know basketball wives or something. Yeah. You know, getting into the club, throwing a drink in somebody's face. For sure. For sure. I can totally see it. I don't watch those shows, but I can totally see it and totally see her on on any such programming. That's she knows where she. You watch after. Below Deck. I don't anymore, but I did. Hmm. Yeah. Now, but stopped? this is the, I mean, I've seen some of the old like housewives yeah. type stuff, just not specifically those shows. She's a hundred percent a reality character. Here's why we're, we're saying this. If you've seen clips of her before, you know why we're saying this, but she was on the Hill talking and, and beating up Florida and Texas, calling them going so far as to call them uh, deplorable States. Take a listen. In fact, Ms. Perry, I know your organization, the Heritage Foundation, loves Texas. Ooh, they love Texas. They always sending us some nonsense bills um, that somehow set this country on the wrong trajectory. They send them to Texas. They send them to Florida. Every deplorable state that we can think about, they usually coming out of y'all's think tank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Them deplorable states. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, honestly... <laughs> She's a caricature. She is. I, 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 <laughs> if I was in that hearing, and and I would because I, I, I want to be, I want to be, I try so hard to be kind. I would be laughing my butt off, and and trying to say I'm sorry. It's 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 just that you're so stupid. Or it's because I'm on the other side behind her, going mm-hmm, waving yeah, oh, a hanky. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, look, I have a problem. Like if, if if I if I talk to like a Brit or I talk to someone who's like super into their character, like uh, like she is there, I I tend to to start to channel it back, and I have to stop myself. It's like Drew, Drew you can't respond to this person on the phone or in person in a British accent now. That's not appropriate. Right. You can't go all LaShonda on them because they're talking this way. 
but I, but I just I, I always want to be in in some sort of character because it's fun and I, I have to stop myself. But I, I don't know if I could with her because oh, no. she's so over the top. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like the Democrat Party is casting, uh, like you said, to casting a reality show where it's like, okay, so what do we have? Uh, gay male, check. Uh, polyamorous female, check. Uh, sassy black female, check. Yeah. yeah, they're just going down the checklist uh, uh, of stereotypes, and it, she's just a moron. <laughs> old drunk white lady, check. Yeah, old drunk white lady. <laughs> she's just well, she's a moron to to begin with, and it's just. It, the people who voted for her are even more moronic. And I know that we always, you know, goof on Democrats for voting these people in office when the people that we have are just as bad as her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, that if there's a trend—if you haven't picked up on the theme and trend here, most everyone's awful. They, they, yeah. they, they, it's just—people disappoint you, and if they're working in, in politics and, and on the cap on the Capitol Hill— Giving it a the. Oh, yeah, that's they're the working on the hill. That's the reality show, the Capitol Hill. Gosh, is there a way that we can? I've I've got some ideas actually. <laughs> we'll talk I mean, about after the show tonight. Yeah, te but, technically, all the footage we see is government, so it's yeah. free use. So. C-SPAN, all of that. Yeah, yeah. Right, I've got some thoughts. Uh, <laughs> I've got some thoughts. We've got a couple interesting thoughts that we'll present I, your way. One of which involves cornhole here. I just feel like for her, she didn't know what to say. Oh, I'm going to say deplorable because then now the people who voted for her who aren't that smart are like, oh, Hillary Clinton said deplorable all those years ago. So look at her. Now she's saying the same thing. She's smart. We need to listen to her. And it's those buzzwords that yeah, get she everyone. Yeah, the buzzwords to say that is going to get the clip because now we're talking about it and talking about what an asshole she is, right. <laughs> which, you know, pub any kind of publicity is good publicity because there's going to be people taking up for her and going, oh, you guys are a bunch of bigots for picking on her, yeah. you know, with their fake eyelashes and the fact that they're bald horses running around Texas because of her hair extensions. You know, no, it's just that she's a dumb bitch. I don't. Oh, care she's, that she's trash, bro. She's black or white or Asian or any of that stuff. No, she's trash. She's just trash. <laughs> yeah. it, I, when we pick on Maisie Hirono, it's not because she's Jap. I think she's Japanese, Korean, whatever. She's she is. trash. She's just a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, same way we pick on Mitt Romney. Sometimes yes. we pick on you know Dan Crenshaw. It's just yeah. it, it's their it's their behavior and their actions it, is to me. It, is the only reason why we go after them. 100%. You know, whatever kind of, you know, uh, physical characteristics they have, that just gets thrown in there, right. you, you know, a, a, as fodder, just as it is with, you know, Patch McCain, you know? The, it, it's it, it, your immutable characteristics sometimes play in humor, especially when you're making a dig at somebody. Right. It just is. It is what it is. What's so funny too is, you, yeah, we're never allowed to, right? Which is which is human nature. Like a lot of people are that way. They like joking with others, but then if you joke back with them, they get super hurt, right, and offended. But that's definitely how the other side is. Oh, for like, sure. Oh, I mean, yeah. you see the hate mail and comments that come through. Well, you you don't necessarily because we shield you from them, but that come through this way, and then and then you attack them. Uh, not them, but other people, and uh, that's oh, that's not the, the no no that's against the rules. You can't do that. Like, 
I, sorry, I thought there weren't rules. You guys don't obey any rules. I thought we just were able to—I thought we were in the, the trust well, tree. Well, it was—it's it, like with the Saturday Night Live back in the day. They made fun of everybody. It didn't matter which politician it was or actor, whoever. They just made fun of everyone. And now they've made it okay to only make fun of the ones that they don't like. Right. And it's—you so they're going, okay, well, wait a so second. Why, why aren't you making fun of the most sleepiest president we've ever had who can't even stay awake during a speech or not poop his pants in the middle of a speech he's and then walk gold, off? He's a goldmine for mockery. Yeah. Yes. And, and then I remember, like, there was one time on Saturday Night Live, like, when Biden first got in, Jim Carrey came on, and he did a bit about it, and it was fantastic, and— Everyone lambasted him for it. They're like, "How dare you go after a president?" He's like, "And he said he's like, I'm a comedian. What are you talking about? Like this, this is what I do. Yeah, I make fun of everybody. Yeah, but they're like, no, you can't go after Biden. Like now, he's our sweetheart. Fun of the best. <laughs> it just is. It's it's fun, dude. I was called your 70 year old sidekick. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, there's, there, yeah, and there's more comments. I shield you guys. I shield everyone. I try to protect everyone. That's that's the thing. But it, but it, but it absolutely. It's just fun. It's just fun. I love some of the hate that comes our way. I think it's great. Keep it coming. Uh, we hate you too. I, I mean, I hope yeah, you have yeah, a miserable yeah. Christmas. But yeah, it's a two-way street. <laughs> we, we have commonality. Uh, our hatred for one another. Exactly. It's so strong. Let's have some eggnog together. Yeah. No, in your no let's not have some eggnog together. <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Well, speaking of um, people who we don't get along with or like us very much, you had Christopher Ray, who was on the Hill testifying. And I, I did a, a show earlier uh, or a hit earlier today with OAN about, about <clears> this very thing. Because you keep hearing him talk about how the terror threat is up. The, the alerts are elevated everywhere. I've never, he has never seen things like it. Let's play the clip and then we'll discuss. So what I would say that is unique about the environment that we're in right now in my career is that while there may have been times over the years where individual threats could have been higher here or there than where they might be right now, I've never seen a time where all the threats, or so many of the threats, are all elevated all at exactly the same time. That's what makes this environment that we're in now so fraught and why funding our men and women who are working shoulder to shoulder with state and local law enforcement and other partners every day makes it even more important, not less. So blinking red lights analogy about 9-11, all the lights were blinking red before 9-11 apparently Obviously, all of us missed it. Would you say that there's multiple blinking red lights out there? I see blinking lights everywhere I turn. Okay. So, and look, I'm sure he does. I'm not surprised about it. I'm surprised that people are surprised about it. Having worked in counterterrorism, it is a hard game, and there are always threats everywhere. And then they're really, really exacerbated and grow when you do a myriad of things, when you open your border up and just forego national security as a whole at home. That creates problems and is going to increase threats. When you have a, a war with extremists overseas that the U.S. is getting involved with, that's going to elevate things even more. And then before all that, and in conjunction with all of that, when you just decide, hey, we're not going to focus on those bad guys, we're going to focus on our own people instead, and you take your eye off the ball, when the ball is frequently moving— what do you expect? I, 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 I mean, 
honestly, it is a I'm I, I'm thankful that it hasn't happened. I pray that it doesn't happen, but I I am my mind is blown that we've not had more things happen here with how distracted and how stupid we have become when it comes to the security of our nation and our communities. Oh yeah. It, the the terror threat being elevate, being elevated is as obvious as realizing that Woody Allen actually purchased a child, groomed it, groomed the child, molested the child and then married the child. It's as obvious as that now that you look back on it and put everything together. It's the same thing with the, with the elevated terror level. You look at what's going on in the domestic terror attacks that we've had in the country so far have all been from the left. Ray knows exactly what he's doing. I'm sure that there's some people who work for the FBI or the intel community who are going into these radical left chat rooms and getting people fired up by saying that there's a genocide against trans people, that you gotta, you gotta fight back or else the you know, uh, white Christian nationals are gonna kill you. So you've, got, you've ginned up all of this angst amongst the left, and the left— for the most part, are the ones who act out with the most violence. So what do you think is going to happen? But somehow you want these—it seems like they want these, these continued acts of violence from the left to keep going to elicit some sort of response from the right so they can say, oh, see, we told you, you know, it, it was these groups, you know, the, the Patriot Front and all these other people, which— they, they have—it's it, like with Trump in, you know, everything that in January 6th. We have a crime right here, and now we have to figure out a way to light this fuse so we can draw a direct line from this incident to this incident so we can say these people over here are the problem. Right. Yeah. It's Operation Northwoods when, you know, the intel community was trying to get uh, JFK to sign off on a domestic terror plot within the U.S. where the potential of Americans getting killed was extremely high just so they could blame it on the Cubans. Yeah. Yeah. And and he said no. Yeah. And look how that ended And then up. they murdered him. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. Uh, okay. We're going to squeeze in our first break here. Before we do, let's get to our question of the day. And I know that <clears throat> there'll be some push back on on the phrasing in this question here i know that some caroling still happens but i'm talking like traditional caroling christmas caroling people showing up at your door you know, that kind of thing so the question is this do you think christmas caroling should come back do we miss that again maybe you're in a town where it happens and they shoot hallmark movies there i don't know do you think christmas caroling should come back did you like that do you want it back or is it more of a, hey, good riddance kind of a deal? Let us know your, your response. We'll tell you ours as well right after this break. <laughs> Merry Christmas and Happy New Year!
Never miss an episode and experience the best live in-show engagement with Drew and the crew on Rumble. Be sure to subscribe to Drew's channel to be notified each time he goes live for the best commentary, the best skits, and outstanding guests on the issues that matter to you. You can do so on the Rumble app by searching Drew Berquist, then click subscribe, or by visiting rumble.com forward slash Drew Berquist on your web browser. I'm excited to announce that we're bringing back our best offer ever on our original My Slippers. You save $90 a pair with your promo code. And now My Slippers come in even more sizes smaller sizes, larger sizes, wide sizes, and all new styles and colors. Get them for your friends, your family, your neighbors, everyone you know. What makes My Slippers different is my exclusive four layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My Slippers patented layers make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help relieve stress on your feet. I'm so confident that you and everyone you know are going to love My Slippers that I'm extending my 60-day money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2024, making them the best Christmas gifts ever. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen now. Use your promo code to save $90. That's only $49.98 a pair. Quantities won't last long, so please order now. Question of the day, reminder, it was, do you think Christmas caroling should come back? Or are you happy that it's mostly gone? This is gonna, this is gonna say a lot about your Christmas spirit here. <laughs> you already know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I actually don't, I can't, but now I'm interested. Uh, so let us know, let us know how you feel. Again, you could be in an area where it still happens and I'm talking about traditional Christmas caroling, not where you go to an event and there's carolers singing there You're as part of the event. Door. Door to, yeah, door to, oh, door to door. Door to door. Okay. So uh, we'll go to you first, Tom. Keep sending your responses. And by the way, hit that like button, folks, if you have not already. Make sure you're subscribed here on Rumble. Tom, what say you? What What's your take on caroling? <laughs> like everything else, like when it was like, and I was really young. I, I can remember people going door to door to carol, and I thought it was kind of neat. And then, you know, like, 
when you get when I got to be a teenager, of course, everything that any kind of traditional thing that you think is lame. And so I, I kind of fell into that and kind of saw it as like a, a nuisance thing. But I think the more and more the closer and closer we get to communism and of course the older that I get that I think the traditions are very important. And I think as annoying as I felt like it was when I was a teenager, I would have to say that I'm for it now. Okay. Strong answer. And I will say— I like the journey you took us on. <laughs> and I will bring this up, too. It, when, it, when it comes to people like Americans gravitating back toward our traditions that Big Mike said that we need to get rid of and have new ones— uh, Rocket Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee is now back on the Billboard 100. Yeah, she she hit number one or something like that the other day. It was crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Where are you going, Disco? So uh, there's a story to this as well. Grew up. My mom had put me and my sisters into the caroling company at a young age. First of all, that's gay that it's called the caroling company. Well, it was a company of singers that... Caroled. Okay. <laughs> That's what we did. I don't like it for the record. I'm just, Please I didn't make the name of the company. I was just in it. Okay. <laughs> That's like barbershop <laughs> like, It was just the Caroling Company. And, um, and it was fun. You were always with a group of people and singing all that stuff, but we sang Christmas carols year round, dressed up like Charles Dickens, like, you know, stuff all the time, practicing all year. Then after Thanksgiving, we, it was like every weekend, every week we were out but somewhere singing. would you singing. go places and sing during the year? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it would be like, oh, the caroling, co- the carolers, like the nursing home. Yeah, like, oh yeah. No. Yeah, it would all the it's time. Christmas, Gertrude. <laughs> all the time, and so, okay. but but all year round, practicing, going. But also during the Christmas season, we were doing you know bank openings and events and Christmas tree lightings, all this stuff, all the time. And now I know every Christmas carol there is, and they're all locked up in here. And Christmas Carol songs drive me crazy, but the problem is, is I'll be like, "We wish you a merry." Damn it! You know, like it just it just comes in. Now it's also saved me. There's been times where people are like, "Hey, let's sing a Christmas Carol," and then everyone's like, "I don't know any Christmas carols," and I'm like, "Oh, here we go. I got this, and I'll pull it out. And we'll start singing. It saves some Christmas parties and stuff." But I hate it. I don't like it. Okay. If someone's knocking, they're singing. I'll walk out. I'll hand them a twenty or something and say, "Thank you. Just leave. You don't have to sing the song." Yeah. I can't do it. Okay. All right. Some interesting answers coming yeah. in here, folks. You guys sending your responses in, too. I, I can see if I can find a picture of me as a kid dressed up in that outfit, by the way. I, I'm, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, so you here's wanna, the thing. You want to see it. Yeah. I've got a uh, kind of a probably a confusing response on it, I guess, because I, I agree with the latter part of your answer. I like the traditions. I like the sweetness of it. You know, you're, what's the intent behind it, right? You, you are going to try and bring joy to other people, bring Christmas spirit to them by singing. And it's, it's fun and kind of old-timey, you know, just hearing them sing in the neighborhood, having them show up at your door. So I want it to happen. I just don't want them to come to my house. You want, I, you want, want other people. in the communities. Right. But I don't want you showing up in my house because one, you might get shot. But two, I just, it's, there's the awkwardness of like, okay. Go ahead. Dude, it is so awkward to have people sing for you. Yes. Especially if it's a one on one. If like my, my greatest, like, uh, that causes me the most agita in life is if a friend of mine who, 
you know, writes music, plays guitars, like, hey, I got a new song for you. And it's just a one-on-one, and he starts playing, like, I'm being serenaded. I'm like, this has got to stop. It is the same thing with the Christmas carols. Like you say, you're standing there, and they're singing, and their faces are contorting, and you— I don't know how to react to it. No, and then and then some, you know, like a lot of the times, actually, the song ends and it's like, and then it starts up the next one. It's like, oh, oh, we're we're still going. Okay, I, I mean, when did just just so I know, so I can plan. When's this gonna be done? I had no idea there was a fifth verse, but go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. So that, that's I, what... so I, that's where I'm at. Like, I like it. I like this. I would like to look out the window with a with a cup of bourbon, a glass of bourbon. On a snowy winter's eve, which we never get here. You're mad about that. I'm really mad about yeah, I can that. Tell. It just took me to a bad place. <laughs> but I'd like to look out and see people in long trench coats, like not trench coats, but you know, like scarves. The, yeah, yeah singing at my neighbor's house. With those little songbooks open. Yeah. Be great. La, 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 so la, Christmassy. La, la. <laughs> just don't cross onto my property. Hey, I was on the giving side of that for the longest time of my life. And it's yeah. not it's it's fun because you're like with a group of people and it's oh we're spreading Christmas cheer it's great you know what's what's in an elf the fastest the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all day here yeah. and it's great but it's also you know it's the how times are like oh I didn't know there was a fifth verse like yes there is and there's actually two more but we're not gonna sing it yeah. <laughs> well I, I'd be you know more for I, I like it we were just at an event there's a great um, tree lighting ceremony that we go to every year here in our community and there's carolers there and there's hot chocolate and cookies and and adult beverages and all this stuff i love it it wouldn't be as fun without the carolers there it's just you know it's gonna it's i've told you where i stand I told you where I stand. I'm not. Ch- I'm gonna be such a curmudgeon when I'm older. Golly. <laughs> no, it's 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 that's why I have a firm rule of Christmas songs. Don't st- I'll allow them to be played and sung, but it's after Thanksgiving, not before, not after Halloween. It's has to be after Thanksgiving has to be over in order for it to go. Yet you put your tree up before Thanksgiving. Well, that was so we had got we you know we had moved and everything, and my parents had brought over the trees because we couldn't get it in our trailer, and so they're like, oh hey, grab your tree for Christmas. Cool, we will, and we stuck it on top of the of our crv and i forgot to strap it down and the box blew up and the tree made it though it's still lit and everything but it was out on the highway i had to like run out and pick it all up so when we got back i'm like as opposed to just having like three parts of a tree laying down like let's just put them up so we put them up that's uh, no i'm not judging yeah but no i was interesting that there's no music before but the the tree's fine yeah. i can look at the trees are beautiful but hearing the same songs over and over and over and over yeah, and no, over again. Because your library is only so deep. I can't do it. You know, I can't do it. It's hard. That's why my wife found a smooth jazz Christmas on Apple iTunes or whatever. It's all the music, but it's, there's no words. It's just like Kenny G or it's all like instrumental. I love it because I don't have to listen to this, the lyrics over and over again. It's just instrumental. We- I find it hard to believe that the Trans-Siberian Orchestra has all trans people in an orchestra. Yeah, I mean, I think that's not what that actually means. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, you really got me a question. I was like, is that what that means? <laughs> I was like, all these years. <laughs> I go back and forth on them, too. Just to, like, look, we're just going to go down this this track for a second. People are like, I thought I thought this was a news, politics, and No, and we talk about show. Christmas we, songs. We talk about everything. Yeah. But <laughs> I like rock music. And there's some songs that the Trans-Siberian Orchestra does that I, I like, 
And then there's some that come on and all of a sudden are like shredding so hard at the like, top of it. Yeah. It's like, dude, this is way too much for me. This is not what I bargained for. Like, I'm I'm wanting to like sip a cup of cocoa or whatever. And you've got like dudes running across the counter, sliding on their knees, like just <laughs> laying into a rift, like. I gotta skip this song on on Pandora or Spotify or whatever because it's just it's too much. Do you guys ever feel that way? Yeah. Like I want I prefer that we have a lot of the instrument. There's a lot of the go tos that yeah. so certainly as we get closer to Christmas, but just In, you know I have like jazz. Chris, we have it here sometimes too. More like Christmas jazz like going on or Christmas piano music or whatever. That's just more like you're in a quiet just your bar undertone a, theme yeah. in your house. Yeah. See, I have my own Christmas playlist, and I go with sort of kind of offbeat kind of Christmas carols. No, you don't say. <laughs> like the Brian Setzer Orchestra, you know, that kind of, like, you know, swing music with Christmas carols, that rockabilly sound. Yeah, okay. Okay, that's that, not bad. That'd be fun, I yeah. I really like that. I think my by far my favorite Christmas carol rendition is Run Run Rudolph by Lemmy Kilmister and Dave Grohl. Ooh, that would be like a good combo. It's the only Christmas carol that you'll hear, and at the end of it, cursing. <laughs> okay. Nice. Now, how, how do you feel about Dominic the Christmas Donkey? <sighs> Haven't heard it. That was, was you a few years ago, but did you ever end up hearing it, listening to it? Yeah. 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 It's not the best. People are like, it's my favorite. It's, I don't think it's the best. It's no. just a no. gimmicky Christmas song. What is the best? I don't know. I'm, I love like some of the old school Amy Grant Christmas albums, like her first ones. Yeah. I like the Baby It's Cold outside. We I listen to that kind of more of that old school old standards. Yeah, yeah. Standards more than anything. But I like the old Amy Grant ones. Every once in a while we'll work in some Mannheim steamroller, but those some of those get crazy too. Yeah. Um I, I like to listen to a lot of like the Rat Pack guys that yeah, do Christmas uh, yeah. albums. Those are fantastic. Sinatra type stuff. Yeah, I mean that's the, that stuff's all most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, you can you cannot listen to that song and not get into a good mood. Yeah. No, absolutely. or you like Let It Snow. That's a good one. Yeah, no, th those are all those are all great. I, I'm more the old old timers on that. Stuff. I don't like all the new stuff. I hate all the Mariah Carey stuff. Sorry if that offends you. Not really. You hear the ding, 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 like crap. Da, 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 da. <laughs> that stuff is that. Her stuff is so overplayed. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, it was the top played Christmas song for like eight years she running. Still makes millions every Christmas season just from just that. from that one song. Yeah. Okay, good for you. I mean, you I, can't sing live, but but good for you. I am interested in to see. Um, the woman who plays the owner of the the football league in Ted Lasso. I don't know her actual name. She's awesome. She has a. Uh, a, a Did you say football league for soccer? Yeah. I had, I just, <laughs> sorry, it slipped. If you say pitch, I swear to God. No, I just said it so that you knew I was talking about Ted Lasso. But um, she has a thing on Apple TV where it's a, a night of singing Christmas songs and stuff, and the cast comes back and everything. It's a yeah. I haven't watched it yet. I've heard it's really good. All right. But both of her parents were like resident opera singers growing like when she was oh, a child. I think, yeah. yeah, I thought yeah, I yeah. heard that. So she's like naturally a great singer. All right, moving back to the news. <laughs> We've had a nice little Christmas segue here. Question of the day segue. You've threatened violence between Disco and Tom. All sorts of amazing stuff. I, I Because I, I said football. You did. Yeah. yeah, which which is what Americans play. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> President Trump did a town hall with Sean Hannity 
who we're not necessarily big fans of here, but he, he had this town hall with him. And Hannity's talking about, you know, there's all these discussions about our, not discussions, let, let's rephrase that. There's all these statements and this, this narrative being pushed by the left right now. We've talked about it a lot this week on the show already about how Trump is going to abuse power. Trump's not going to leave. Trump's going to be a dictator. Trump's going to do X, Y, and Z if he gets back in. It's going to be a threat to democracy, blah, 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 blah. Bunch of BS. So <clears throat> Hannity asks him if he's going to abuse power, and he says, no, except for on the first day I'm going to do this. Listen to this exchange. I love it. Because the media has been focused on this and attacking you yeah. under no circumstances. You are promising America tonight. You would never abuse power as retribution against anybody. Except for day one. Yeah. Except Look, what? He's going crazy. Except for day one. Meaning? I want to close the border and I want to drill, that's drill, not a, that's, drill. That's not, no, no. that's not retribution. I got I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, he keeps... We love this guy. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, 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 other than day one. We're closing the border, and we're drilling, drilling, drilling. After that, I'm not a dictator. So that, okay? that, that sounds to me like you're going back to the policies when you were president. That's right. exactly Policies that work. So I love that answer, right? Because, and, and, and kudos to Sean, actually, for asking that question, because that is being pushed out there, and it's good for Trump to respond to that. And I, I don't think he could have done a better job because first and foremost reminder he was not an authoritarian or a dictator the first time around and if he was it had the proclivity to to do that or become that with all that he went through he would have done it and he'd still be in office yeah exactly <laughs> but but you talk about and it's not abusing power by the way to do that to make our country energy independent and secure but if you hit those points and you do it in a way where you're not always attacking, again, I like some of the attacks. I like sh shooting from the hip, but you got to understand who you also need votes from still. But if you hit on those points, those points and some of the economic policy points, bro, that's all you got to do. You delivered big time your first time in office. And what are we all concerned about right now? The, the border, our economy. And, and people who are paying more attention, which, of course, this weaves into the economy, too, is, is the price of energy. Well, we, we were on the path to being energy independent, and we just shut the whole thing down. I mean, we shut our whole country down if we're being technical. But I love that answer. That's what has to happen. And, and it, it, I mean, honestly, just thinking about those two things— gets me so excited for the prospect of him, him being back in office because we need those things so bad. Right. And uh, what I especially get a lot of schadenfreude from is how the corporate media responds to, to statements like that. This is a, Here's a headline I'm going to read you from Jeff Earl, deputy political editor of DailyMail.com, who is your quintessential bootlicking cuck beta male and propagandist here here's here's his headline okay donald trump refuses to rule out being a dictator tell sean hannity he may get revenge on his enemies day one <laughs> after dodging questions about abusing the law to go after people that's one way to twist yeah. twist some words <laughs> I mean, that is such a huge like 
Big plot twist. Interesting that you heard that because <laughs> I, didn't. I didn't hear one of those things. And to be, to be clear, if I were him, I would be going after people. I'd be like, fuck yeah, here's my list. Day one, you're going down. You're going to jail. You're getting assassinated. Yeah, I mean, but he's not going to do that. Out of every, out of everyone that's been in the White House or been, on, he has every right to do those things. But we also know that he's most likely not going to because he's just going to be a fair president, whatever it is. But I love that he's given his playbook. Don't be surprised on day one when we close the border and we start drilling. Don't be surprised. Hey, hey. I love it because they like they're they're hating it like shit. Yeah. No, we want to be miserable. We want to be forced to be told what to do. We want censorship. We want the lack of free speech. We need to get rid of churches. That's what the left wants. Yeah, they, yeah. I know they do. It just it boggles my mind of how submissive, what submissives the left are, and then people on the right. There's some submissives too, but this this thought of just letting the government do everything for you and make decisions for you and they're just going to give you scraps all in the name of climate change yeah yeah which is you, you have you, you have no self-worth if that's what if that's what you're the the trail that you're willing to go down yeah no i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more and uh, <sighs> I love that spin that that guy did. That's right. Well, and you know, you know that's everywhere. Yeah. Refuses to answer that question. It's like, bro, here's the deal. Look back. I mean, again, it, I, I'm not saying he sh actually should or, 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 or would. But you, you look at what he's gone through. And if there's anyone who, who, who would feel justified in doing that, it would be him. Yeah. But... I mean, there was, and frankly, he should have. I mean, there's stuff that should have been done under his first administration, and people were mad at him for for not going after Clintons, for example, not going after for a lot of the people who who went after him and his campaign and his and or his presidency. But he's proven on two fronts that he's not that guy. One, I think, partially because DC, the way DC works or doesn't work, you it's just not as easy to actually enact justice and bring about justice on people but two <clears throat> he was more focused on getting things done for the american people than than playing all this petty stuff i know all of us want these people to go away and they should lot uh, damn near everyone in dc but at the end of the day what i want most is things back on track you can argue, and I think you're right, that you need to you need to do both, get it back on track and make people pay the price. Because if you don't, what happens four years from now? Or four years from 2024, assuming he's able to run and, and wins and gets in. You're, you're back up against the wall again. So press, I mean, we, we do have to make some big fixes at some point and people have to go to prison. I don't know if he's gonna do it or if he's not. But there is a point in time where we have to do that, or we will get right back on the track that we're on now. Ah. Well, he's got nothing to lose. Well, the Republicans and the Democrats want to get back on the track that we're on now. They're desperate for war. They're, that's why they're pushing Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley represents the worst of both parties, and that's why they're pushing her, because right. they know that they can manipulate her, they can control her, and being a female— and being a female of color, 
and they want to get her in a position where we go to war. That's what they want. Yeah. They want perpetual wars. And so now and we talked about it yesterday or last night is the fact that they want to get her in so the Republicans get to push war, the Democrats get to complain about war, so we get back to, you know, the way the universe is supposed to be, where the Republicans are like, ah, bomb the fuck out of them, and the, the liberals are like, no, dude, no blood for oil, no blood for oil, you know, we have totally, the, the universe has totally changed, where you have Republicans saying, no war, this is a bad idea, we've gone down this road, we're on to you bastards, we know what you're all about, you're willing to sacrifice the lives of ourselves and our children, because we do feel patriotic about this country and want to defend it but at the same time you're importing you know a whole class uh, of military age dudes that you know you want to take over the united states and change the de demographic of it you know you have a bunch of single dudes coming over they're going to be looking for mates <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then you have all, all the, the shift is so weird. You have so many secular communists on the left who deride Christianity, hate everything about it, don't believe in God, all of a sudden converting to Islam. Yeah. It's incredible to me. You know, you're, they're, they're glomming on to the most regressive religion that there is because they hate their whiteness so much that they have to identify with some kind of victim class. So they're going to the victim. They think that the, the Muslim religion is a victim class and they're gravitating toward it because they can say, oh, I'm persecuted because I'm Muslim and, yeah. you know, and I'm not white anymore because being part of the Muslim religion supersedes your whiteness in the whole sort of virtue in victim Olympics that's going on right now. Yeah. Victim, victim Olympics. Olympics. I like that, yeah. No, you're, you're right, though. And it is weird. It is weird how how opposite things have been and how permanent Washington needs things back into some form of normalcy for them. I think you're spot on on that. And and I think war serves them a lot of purposes here, too. Right. It gets that it gets some of that back on track. But it also going into an election year changes a lot of the talking points for for campaigns and for everything that's going on there. So it's before and after the election it it's it's beneficial for permanent washington not of course for any of us but let's let's pivot to something else speaking of war by the way the us sent another 175 million dollars in weapons to ukraine uh, that news came in earlier this afternoon but let's um let's let's go to biden who's one of the guys who's ardent in in the belief that we need to have war with russia and all of europe and potentially world war 3 and specifically, let's talk about his—he loves to, t to tell the tall tale of him teaching at, at UPenn, <laughs> right, where he got paid a whole bunch. Well, there was an exchange. You had Representative Mary Miller on the Hill yesterday uh, asking UPenn, uh, UPenn President Elizabeth McGill—I don't know if that's how you say her name, don't really care—what um, <clears throat> his role was, what his responsibilities, asking if you taught a class. Here was, here was the, the exchange. Ms. McGill, as president of UPenn, can you give us some insight into why Joe Biden was paid almost a million dollars by UPenn? What were his responsibilities when he is at UPenn? Did he teach a class? 
I appreciate the question. Uh, President Biden was a professor of practice at University of Pennsylvania for a little over two years. My understanding is that his salary was $400,000 a year. We also had uh, Mr. Jeb Bush as a professor of practice at University of Pennsylvania. Professor, uh, President Biden had a wide variety of uh, uh, obligations. He was in many different classes. What obligations exactly did he have? He, was, he held seminars, he was in many different classes, he interacted with thousands of students over the time he was there. Mm -hmm. He invited uh, speakers, the goal of the center was to enhance- For $400,000, anonymous student, uh, anonymous Chinese donations poured into UPenn after your university hired Joe Biden and he appeared to have a no-show job. It's how it works, man. It's how it works. Great gig, right? I mean, yeah. I love the comparison. Well, we did it with Jeb, too. Yeah, exactly. He's on it. the same team, girl. <laughs> yeah, nobody gives a shit. They're the same person. And whether it's a million, which has been reported, or it's $400,000, it doesn't matter. The same thing is true. It, it $400,000, here's some extra ways for you to bring in other money, to launder money, to do whatever you want to do, to invite speakers to come in. Which maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I want that gig. Yeah. You never have to I show want up. it bad. It's all part of the money laundering process for the elite political class. It's either you sign a book deal that where you get a ginormous advance on and that book never recovers that money, or you get a giant contract with Netflix where you produce shows like the Obamas yeah. or a Spotify contract with Spotify's losing their ass because of the Obamas and Prince Harry and Meghan or it's you know board of directors for you know on either big pharma uh, a defense contractor or a media company and this is this is all the money laundering that's why there's this perpetual you know cycle of all these polit political elites going into the private sector, sector, getting these giant payoffs because they were doing the bidding of these corporations when they were in there, and this is that, and that's their reward. McCarthy's going to have the same thing. Hundred percent, he is. It's what Ivy League school, what defense contracting company, what whatever. They, but. <laughs> That's that is the best way to describe it. It is just money laundering because none of it ever benefits the institution, the company, the organization. Netflix didn't make shit on Michelle or Barack being there or Susan Rice being on the board. The the, the, the schools and universities clearly lost there. We're paying you four hundred. If I'm one of the other people who's actually on staff there, I'm like, you're paying him what? Right. I bust my ass. Granted, they just spew lies and, and disinformation, those other people, but I'd still be pissed if I were them. And and you put them on these defense contracting companies or the boards of them, like what, what are these pe people who work in government and, and especially ones who have worked in government for 17 years in the case of McCarthy, 600 years in the case of Joe Biden, you actually have no value or, or no relatable skills that go anywhere because you've talked about things and, le and talked about legislations. The only thing you have skill on is, is hobnobbing with people, but you can't, you sh they shouldn't serve on a defense contract company. Have you, have you been overseas and done this? Or do you understand missile technology? Do you understand? They don't actually have any real skills. Right. You, you can't produce content for someone. You, I mean, I, I just, 
that's always mind blowing, but that's how they they pass along money. Yeah, big big book the big book deals too. That's a great example you brought up, Tom, because these books don't they they here's a five million dollar advance advance. Yeah. Do you know the amount of books that make that much money? <laughs> John Grisham, Grisham, <laughs> Harry Potter books, maybe like it's it, it's not that's a hard freaking industry, I, but I, it is. It, that's just how the system works. There's no two ways about it. Uh, but I love that that Miller and others asked questions on it because we always hear about this. And you actually had McGill from UPenn saying something, thinking she gave a good, clever answer. It was an awful answer that just confirmed everything that we thought. But let's move on because RFK, excuse me, was on um, Jesse Waters' show and admitted that he's been on Epstein's plane at least twice. Interesting conversation. I noticed too, he, he, I've seen other people comment on this, but he talks about how his wife had a relationship of some sort, very ambiguous relationship with Ghislaine Maxwell. That, that was mentioned too here. Take a listen to this clip. We'll discuss. You weren't ever on Jeffrey Epstein's jet, were you? Yeah, I was on Jeffrey Epstein's jet two times. I was on it uh, in 1993, and I was on it in, and I went to Florida with my wife and uh, two children to visit my mom over Easter. Um, my my wife had some kind of relationship with Glenn Maxwell, and. They offered us a ride to Palm Beach, so I went then, and then on another occasion, I flew again with my family, with I think four of my children, and um, and uh, and Mary, my wife, to Rapid City, South Dakota, to go fossil hunting I, uh, for a weekend. And uh, but other otherwise, I was I was never on his jet alone. I you know I've been very open about this from the beginning. This was in '93, so it was 30 years ago. It was before anybody knew about Jeffrey Epstein's uh, you know his nefarious issues. And I agree with you that these all of this information should be released. Um, and we, we should get real answers on what happened to Jeffrey Epstein and any of the high-level political people that he was uh, involved with. All of that should be open to the public. It should be absolutely transparent. And, you know, I don't see why any of those records would have any redactions in them. Why would we be hiding that from the American public? Okay, so just one tip real quick. When you're talking about Ghislaine Maxwell or Epstein, and you say, my wife had some sort of relationship with Ghislaine, you need to quickly clarify, not the kind you're thinking about, or throw out some kind of caveat or disclaimer there. Yeah, they were, they were pen pals. Whatever. <laughs> not, not, you don't want to be associated with that. But... <clears throat> Uh, there, there is now, there always has been, there absolutely always should be discussion about Epstein, Epstein Island, Lolita Express, all of the people who have been on those flights, been to that island. You know, by all accounts, what, what RFK says here, he's, it, these, are, these are different kinds of flights, flying with your family. Do you buy it, Tom? I do. I, I do. I, I think I, RFK is, is 
fairly reasonable. I don't agree with him a lot of things, but one of the things I don't think he is is a liar. Uh, he he's taken on big pharma. He's taken on some of the golden calves of the left, especially Anthony Fauci, and. I, he, he's above board and honest. You know, if he had anything to hide, he would not want those flight logs released. Right. And like any other leftist, if he has anything to fear, he would have dodged the question. He spilled it. He, he said, yeah, I hopped a ride going down to Palm Beach. Okay, I can understand that because we're talking 93. That's not really at the height of whatever Epstein is doing. I, I think he was kind of like getting involved with, you know, some other people and getting the, the sex trafficking up and running. And it, it, it's weird because it's hard for us, you know, who are middle class people to understand that kind of a lifestyle when you're dealing with private planes and friends with private planes and you know vacationing on palm beach and, and you know in living this lifestyle where oh i know somebody who has a plane oh you have you know one of your assistants call that person and say hey we're going down to palm beach is your plane available we just we don't run in those circles right and so it, it's almost like being a part you know, being a part of a corporation. Each of these families are like corporations where you have access to different modes of transportation. So even if Epstein, you know, had like his own yacht and it was like, oh, that Epstein guy, you know, this hedge fund guy, he's got a yacht down in the Caribbean. He's friends with so-and-so. Let's see if it's available and we can go there for New Year's or whatever. And then, you know, your assistant calls up his assistant oh yeah go ahead you know the captain and the crew will be standing by it, it's it, it's hard for all of us to kind of you know to look at it in that context because our frame of reference is so different right if we want to go somewhere you know it, fly somewhere we got to book tickets and you know we get on a flight and if we happen to know somebody who's got a pilot's license they're part of an aero club or they might even own their own plane and then it's going to be you know a small two-seat four-seat plane with a single engine maybe a dual engine and that's going to be about it but when it comes to like a jet Again, it's more about these families thinking of these families more of a, a of a corporation or a business than an actual family. You know, instead, of, if you if you had your own plane and I kind of knew you a little bit, but, you know, we were both, you know, my family's big in politics. You know, you were big on Wall Street or whatever. And we kind of knew each other through the club and we had mutual friends and I was playing golf. He's like, oh, yeah, you should get in contact with Drew because he's got a plane that might be available that weekend. Oh, would you mind making a call and setting that up? And, you know, it, it goes along that way. It's not like, hey, Jeff, you know. Right. Yeah. No, makes sense. Makes sense. Good descriptor. Good description. Uh, and I do. Going back to the very beginning, too. I, I, I buy it, too. I, I don't feel like he is a bold-faced liar like most of the others do. I, and that's one of the reasons I think they hate him. Right. Is he tells you exactly who he is, how he feels about things. Again, this is not me supporting RFK Jr., but <clears throat> other than to say I, I support and respect that he he knows who he is and, and what he is and what he believes and what he doesn't. And while they're different than what we believe in most cases, right. he it, seems to be pretty genuine. 
Yeah, I like the guy, too. There's certain things I like about him. There's certain things that are going to prevent me from voting for him. You know, his stance on abortion, his stance on the Second Amendment, and his belief in climate change. Yeah. The fact that he's a hardcore conservationist, I love, because I think that most people that hunt and go outdoors are hardcore conservationists, but not to the point where they want to exclude people from going to the outdoors. He, you know, like he's talking about in this, you know, he took his family fossil hunting, yeah. which is kind of a cool activity. I know that he's engaged in falconry which I'm totally mesmerized by and you know in this book I keep talking about Genghis Khan in this book and the amount of you know the hunting that they would use with their falcons and other birds of prey is just absolutely fascinating to me uh it just, you know, the the fact that, you know, throughout his life, he has dealt with horrible tragedies, starting with the assassination of his uncle to the, the murder of his own dad, another uncle of his being involved in killing a, a woman, Mary Jo Kopechny, and then up until, you know, uh, Michael Skakel and, you know, that murder of Martha Moxley to one of them getting killed in a ski. I, was that his? I'm not sure which Kennedy that was. Uh, to the William Kennedy Smith, you know, at the, the compound in, uh, in Palm Beach, and his own addiction to heroin. So I kind of, I when somebody is a recovering addict, I feel like they're more prone to tell you the truth than they are to lie to you. And that's what I feel with Robert, with RFK. <clears throat> well, and again, when it comes to the flights, I mean, you wouldn't be saying they should be released if, yeah, I mean, you, the, the very obvious, like, yeah. am I on there? No, except for these two times, which I've told people I've gotten out ahead of, I think we should release it. If it was nefarious, like all the other people would be, no, we should definitely not do that. And here's why. And then here's my BS reason. You know, it's so bizarre to me hearing about these flight logs because I used to live in Palm Beach County. And when I worked on the TV show Cops, I also worked with the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office. And I remember in 1998, the first time that I had ridden with them, they were deputies that I was riding with who were like, oh, yeah, you know. Bill Clinton's friends with this dude that, uh, you know, this was, no, this was, it would have been 2000 because he was out of office. And they were like, you know, Clinton will show up here and, you know, we'll be pulling security. And then a couple of black vehicles will show up and a bunch of chicks will get on Air Force One. This is when he was president. And then they were saying, you know, a couple of years later that, you know, Clinton would show up with a Secret Service detail, and then he'd get on this plane of a friend of his, and the Secret Service detail would stand by, would stay behind, and they would shoot the shit with the Secret Service guys as Clinton would go somewhere for a week. And I always thought, that is so weird. Why isn't, you know, former president bailing on his Secret Service detail, and where is he going? You know, it's, it's funny how you go through life hearing things that don't quite make sense until you get a bit older, and then you start putting all the pieces together and go, oh, okay. Yeah. It, I was privy to this information before anybody else that something weird was going on, but I had no idea in connecting all the dots. Right. No, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. This is how this is going to go. We're going to squeeze in one other quick break here. And then we're, we're going to talk uh, something that just happened with the United Nations today, uh, earlier today. And we're going to talk transgenders and female sports for a second, because we've yes. got two great clips for you. We'll do that to wrap up the evening uh, tonight. 
Make sure you hit that like button if you have not already. Stand by. We've got some more stories coming after this quick break. and Happy New Year! Never miss an episode and experience the best live in-show engagement with Drew and the crew on Rumble. Be sure to subscribe to Drew's channel to be notified each time he goes live for the best commentary, the best skits, and outstanding guests on the issues that matter to you. You can do so on the Rumble app by searching Drew Berquist, then click subscribe, or by visiting rumble.com forward slash Drew Berquist on your web browser. I'm excited to announce that we're bringing back our best offer ever on our original My Slippers. You save $90 a pair with your promo code. And now My Slippers come in even more sizes smaller sizes, larger sizes, wide sizes, and all new styles and colors. Get them for your friends, your family, your neighbors, everyone you know. What makes My Slippers different is my exclusive four layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My Slippers patented layers make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help relieve stress on your feet. I'm so confident that you and everyone you know are gonna love My Slippers that I'm extending my 60 day money back guarantee until March 1st, 2024, making them the best Christmas gifts ever. So go to mypillow.com or call the number on your screen now. Use your promo code to save $90. That's only $49.98 a pair. Quantities won't last long, so please order now. Are you sure this is gonna be okay? Bro, it's totally fine. Now open up. And four. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Where are my scripts? Oh, right. Here we go, scripts. Awesome, thank you. Play through. Going for, going for the green right now. Disco, it's okay. They're just baby teeth. All right, folks. Welcome back. Let's get to it. Let's get some... Let's get some UN stuff in here real quick. Because earlier today, it was announced that you had uh, the UN Secretary General, Antonio Gutierrez. Gutierrez. I, I still wish it was Boutros Boutros Gali. <laughs> I mean, we can make it, we can make it that way. I mean, the, the organization literally is useless 
we can just do whatever we want. No, it's all about people from, <clears throat> excuse me, other countries coming to New York, doing a lots, lots of blow, having sex with prostitutes, and occasionally raping somebody and then returning to their home country. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that last part was in there, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Kind of yeah. makes sense. Well, you had, the, I'll just read this, UN Secretary General... Antonio Gutierrez, or maybe it's Gut. There's no I in his name, so I never know if it's Gutierrez, Gutierrez, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's inconsequential, but has taken the highly unusual step of writing a letter to the UN Security Council under Article 99. Not highly unlikely or highly unusual writing letters. That's all the UN actually does. But under Article 99 of the UN Charter, calling on the Council to press uh, uh, press to avert a humanitarian catastrophe in Gaza and appealing for a humanitarian ceasefire to be declared. Article 99 of the UN Charter states that the Secretary General may bring to attention of the Security Council any matter which, in his opinion, may threaten the maintenance of international peace and security. It's the first time that the UN Secretary General has done this since 2017, or since he took, took the new spot in 2017, and talked about— so let me just skip to the end here for a second. It means nothing. They're making it seem like, oh, no one ever invokes Article 99. Yeah, yeah but maybe that's true. Maybe it, maybe it's not. But again, I will remind you guys that you're the United Nations. No one actually gives a fuck what you're talking about. Like, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't. But they're saying... We abhor the attacks on October 7th, but we also abhor what's happening in Gaza and see a humanitarian stuff here. So we need to elevate this as the UN and make this a bigger priority. And we, the global elite, need to step in and force our hand on this situation. That's what they're saying. That's what he's hoping for. But I, I, I bring it up because there's, people, there's, there's headlines out there like, oh my gosh, everyone, <laughs> Article 99 has been invoked. People are like, shit, what is that? <laughs> and then you realize, oh, it's just a strongly worded letter to his fellow colleagues saying, we should do something. I recognize possible conflict here. They're so dumb. I feel like, I feel like the UN is like a, 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 an awful kids, like not cartoon show, but like educational show on PBS or something that you'd see growing up. Horrible act, it's shot horribly. It, it tells you nothing. It produces nothing. And you're just like, gosh, I'm so much dumber for yeah. having watched that. No, the, the most action you've ever seen with the U.N., and I'm just doing finger parents, is in the Parks and Rec episode where they do the mock U.N., and they're talking about different things and wars and stuff. It's the most the action you'll ever see. That doesn't actually happen on a daily basis. They're just having fun in a room. Well, even, but even—well, I mean, they do debate a lot, but that's yeah. the thing. It's like they, they, they debate— they pretend that their voice matters and and they want to be this world that what they want to be is to be a world government yeah but that is there's not a mechanism for that per se yet stand by for more of that <laughs> and that's, that's what they want and they're working towards that but that's how they they see themselves as like the world governing body yes who who appointed you to that People appointed you to the UN, but who appointed you individually and you as a collective to be a world governing body? The answer is no one. That's not what you are. You're, I, I can't even think of a, of, a, of a good analogy or way to mock them right now. It's, it's slipping my mind of, of a comparison to what they are. But you, all they do is send strongly worded letters and, and sound bites 
and people are like it's it, it's 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 I've, I've told you before like security in our neighborhood like i god bless you everyone needs a job and I, i'm nicer to them now but as a kid i wasn't i would just drive like to try and pull me over it's like <laughs> you don't have any authority to do anything bye like i'm not even right. doing this which is a total dick response but it's like the un telling you you know what mr berkwist we're gonna need you to do this or else or else what right you have no you have no authority it's like the hoa the left loves being bossed around, so they'll always defer to the UN or the WHO at all times because you're dealing with the, the same people who, uh, who will travel overseas and then come back and go, oh, my God, Americans are so fat and gross. You know, I was apologizing the entire time over there for how gross and, and uh, obnoxious Americans are. They're always, they always put themselves in the submissive position, and they always look to authority, uh, authoritarian figures to say, okay, yeah, we need to listen to the UN. The UN is talking the same way that we think. It, it's time for all of us dumb Americans to realize that we're not the only ones on this planet. It's, it's about the collective and the good of the planet. So we have to defer to this organization that is taking into account the security of the planet, which is like— for myself and people like me in the community who realize that the UN is only set up for child trafficking, that whatever they have to say has no bearing on anything. They only care, they only care about strife and, and civil war around the world as long as it dis disrupts their supply chains. And you know what supply chains I'm talking about. <laughs> 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 and that's what's going i mean this is like me writing a letter coming out with a letter right now and saying you know what i'm invoking chapter seven of my manifesto and that in that states do not ever juice a hot dog <laughs> never put a hot dog in a juicer Yes. <laughs> I think that's something really good to stand on. It's just me. I mean, there were two more clips I was going to play. We maybe end on that, <laughs> yeah. that, that nugget of truth. But, but that has the same sort of gravitas as what this Article 99 is. It means nothing. It means nothing. Yeah. No, I get your point. It, just weird turn with the point. <laughs> uh. Chapter 4, Tom Cunningham's Manifesto. No juicing hot dogs. People are going to talk about that after the show tonight. Like, have you ever, have you ever thought of? Yeah, like, is he juicing hot dogs now? Yeah. And now, now he's not. <laughs> Let's go to female. What'd you have for dinner last night, Tom? <laughs> Was I it a juiced had, hot dog? I had a hot dog smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> Acai with hot dog juice. <laughs> yes. Because you know it's the good parts of the animal. <laughs> they get squeezed out into a nice, delectable, cool glass of hot dog water. <laughs> Most people get upset, like, when they get the juices from the bag. Like, oh, i got to wash my hands, you know, before they cook it. You know, they're like, i got the hot dog water on me. That's just disgusting. It could be worse. It could be juiced, like, straight-up juice. That's, and have, like, a pasty... That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, film. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should just end it. <laughs> so National Women's Law Center President Fatima uh, Goss-Graves says that female athletes she says a lot of things in this clip here but one of the things that comes out of her mouth is that female athletes should learn to lose gracefully to Shut biological up. men take a listen 
children. And success in school sports depends on a whole range of factors, including how hard you work and coaching and access to really good resources and facilities. And trans students participate in sports for the same reason as their kids, because it is fun, because it creates belonging and community, because it teaches so much about persistence and leadership and, and discipline, unless they learn to lose gracefully, hopefully. And often they learn to win with dignity, hopefully. Um, they learn to do the sort of work that means you have higher grades and stay connected to school. I want every kid to have that chance, to have the chance to play. So I feel compelled to just end my testimony with a few ideas for the committee to pursue if it really wants to work on this issue. We could make it safer for student athletes who report harassment and sexual misconduct. We could address resource dis Lose gracefully. <laughs> I think it's an important note that this chick that was talking, her husband is one of the January 6th prosecutors. Yes, I was just going to bring that up. Very much. And, and also, she's well. a communist. It basically, the bottom line of what she's saying to me in the Democrat position on this is the fact that they're okay with dudes dressing as women, showing their dicks in front of other girls that they're changing in front of, and they like it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. Lose gracefully, win gracefully. You can't win. The girls can't win anymore with this this setup. Well, like, the, right before the show, we were, I was talking about Serena Williams declined to play against a trans woman. Was it Serena or, or Venus? I thought it was Serena from what I was reading. I don't remember. But, like, she declined it, and it, it was like, I, I've never lost to a man. I'm never going to lose to a man. I'll play for, I'll play against them for charity, but not. this is my livelihood. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I think that's grace right there, saying, no, I'm not going to. That's because there's a difference between men and women. That's why we have women's sports. Right. It's to make it competitive amongst them. They would Women would not be competitive against men. Right. That's why there's the delineation there. Right. And to, to pretend, and this is all part of, of the greater— the greater story of what's going on here with the whole trans movement is is to get people to believe something that is not true. That's all this is. It's conditioning for you to, to say to everybody, I believe in a falsehood. Because if you believe in one falsehood, you're going to believe in many falsehoods. And that's what Marxism and communism, that's what they hinge on, is is the the suspension of disbelief uh, the suspension of belief in an absolute truth if people it once you deny truth all you're doing is ushering in evil and that's what we're seeing right now yeah no it is i mean every everything about that that's what this whole all, not just this all the issues the lgbtq stuff this specifically the trans stuff climate change so many things. It's just like literally you got it. It's all pretend. Yeah. And you're talking about it as if it's the most real thing ever. And it's just not. And then you and then when you tell them it's not. And look, here's the reason why we're not that that keen on what you're talking about is because it's not real. Like men can't have periods or babies. And, and then they just lose their ever loving mind. Yeah. This is the trust the science crowd. This is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I got, you know, like every once in a while, someone will like like a tweet from way back when, and all of a sudden it's there and it shows the notification or whatever. 
and it was there was one that ties into this whole conversation. I don't even remember the the phrasing or the the wording on it, but it was back when there was a story about how what what men will do who want to pretend that they're women is they'll take frozen tomato paste and shove it up their butt. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Do you remember that whole thing? Yep. Yeah. How? How did we get here? As a, if it was one person who did that, it's like, okay, cool. He's he's totally broken. He's going to become a serial killer, and hopefully at some point we'll give him the electric chair. That's that's not the case, though. The problem is, is this is becoming more mainstream, not, not just the frozen tomato paste, but the whole conversation where everyone is is like, well, you just got to accept it as, as that's the new norm. No, I'm not going to accept that well, ever. Well, even around that same time, there was a dude that got the surgery, so now he has a vagina, and he live-streamed, well, hey, you know, I know I'm not going to get my period, but it's my time of the month, so on camera, I'm going to put my tampon in. You don't see anything. It's just like him sitting on a toilet, and he can't get it in. He's like, you know what? I know. I know what I'm missing, because all the women talk about, let me get some lube out. I got a lube. And, and people are like, why? Like, even women are like, I would love to not have to put a tampon in. Like, why? Like, stop. Like, this. why are you even doing this? And then it's like, it's in. Oh, yeah. So uncomfortable. I can't believe, like, I'm going to have to get used to this. And it's like, oh, my God, stop it. But people cared. And they're like, look how brave she is. And it's like, no. Yeah, and he's probably killing it on TikTok. Meanwhile, everyone in conservative media is getting their ass kicked. <laughs> we uh, did it wrong. This all started in 1968 with the acceptance of casual friends. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> and, uh, telling you, that, that is ground zero. And it worked its way into the the ordering process at Starbucks and making everybody feel special about what they do. And especially the ordering process at Starbucks, because then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I want, you know, a, an extra hot, no whip frappe. And it's like, oh, my God, you're getting a, a no whip frappe? Oh, I want a no whip frappe. So everybody tried to outdo each other in the ordering process to be as difficult as possible. So you have that mentality going into, well, how can I be different? Okay, I'm going to start getting tattoos. I'm going to get a septum piercing. I'm going to dye my hair. You know what? I'm going to cut my dick off. You know, it, it's just that's a natural quickly, quickly, progression. But, yeah, that's how it went. To, to to say, I I am somehow different than somebody else. So, you know, instead of getting a tattoo, instead of going through, you know, a sex change, get a tattoo. Right. There's always other things that you can do. Just because you're ugly and have no friends doesn't mean that you have gender dysphoria. Right. <laughs> Although, <laughs> that's, that, those are the people, 100%. Yeah, no, you're right. Well, we have another clip on the Hill. You had Representative Summer Lee, who was bitching out. Uh, Riley Gaines was testifying there and was able to get in a, a great little snarky response back to Lee, who didn't even respond to it, by the way. Anyways, take, take a look at this exchange, then we'll discuss. Such as teamwork and goal setting. In terms of mental health, studies show that participating in youth sports is associated with lower rates of anxiety and depression, lower amounts of stress, higher self-esteem and confidence. Women must stop. Inclusion cannot be prioritized over safety and fairness. And Ranking Member Lee, if my testi testimony makes me transphobic, then I believe your opening monologue makes you a misogynist. Thank you. I now, thank you, um, Ms. Gaines. I now recognize Ms. Perry for her opening statements. 
Good afternoon, Chairman McLean. All right, so we don't need to see the rest of it, but <laughs> I love that, and I love Lee's face just at the end, like crap. Mm. Again, you could, if you're on the left, you can say whatever you want, but when the right fights back, it's like, ah, oh, those words need to be stricken from the record. Yeah, she just made me look bad. We're seeing it with what's going on in Israel. We're going to attack you, but you can't fight back. <laughs> Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. We, we see this all the time with the left. We get hit on 9-11. It's like, well, our response has to be proportionate to what happened. Right. You know, it's always becomes the, the left will, will excuse any type of behavior in whatever your response is. It can't be as harsh as what's done, what has been done to you. Yeah. Unless you're the—then you become the bad guy. Right. Which uh, uh, puts me in a tough spot because— my my response i tend to want to have the response be okay you did that okay cool here's what's going to happen now but <clears throat> but you're right we're not allowed to fight back even if, even if it's not a proportionate response and it's less you still you can't do that that's that's not accepted either but you're the freaking the freaking war and the and what's going on in the middle east right now is a hilarious example of it plus summer lee sounds like a health food brand or something <laughs> <laughs> kind of does have you guys paid attention to any of this? And then we'll wrap up. Uh, and, and reminder for folks who are like, oh, it's, it's two hours tonight. Well, as we said, you know, we, we did booze and banter earlier. We've been testing this week and, and all of that stuff. Or, you know, there's going to be nights where it's an hour or so of booze and banter, 45 minutes or, or whatever it is. And then two hours of the show. There's going to be nights where there's three hours of the show. It just is what it is. You're still getting lots of content. It's another reason to go to DrewBerkwist.locals.com. We've been testing a lot this week, and I'll be, I'm proud to say that I am negative for everything. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats, Tom. You did it. You did Tom it. Tom Cunningham. Reminder, here's the, the, information, the information, though, again. Uh, you get it a free month if you use promo code DREW30. Uh, if 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 you forget and you if and you just go normal, it's it's only five dollars a month. Uh, but you get you get a month free if you do promo code Drew thirty. But you get booze and banter Monday through Thursday as we get into this group. Now do keep in mind that as we hit the holidays, there's going to be a little time off. But on normal weeks, Monday through Thursday, five p.m. Eastern, automatic entry into contest. Commemorative challenge coin sent your way. You'll get a link first, then the coins. We're going to be sending out some links uh, later on this week, and then other premium content as we get to it. So that's what you get. Again, it's drewberkwist.locals.com, promo code Drew30 for that first free month. But I distracted myself. Have you guys paid attention to that, the, the big solar wind phenomena on the sun? Have you been seeing that post of all those pictures? <laughs> People losing their mind, like, oh my gosh, it's gonna explode. Only to realize like this happens all the time. Yes, there's been a lot of chatter in the community. Yeah, I'd love to hear what, yeah. what your friends have to say about this, Tom. Wish I had a glass. I'm sure your friends are losing their minds. There's a lot of concern. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> well, no, it, well, it's funny because it does happen all the time. And the reports you hear is like, Earth hit with massive solar wind and no one felt it. And people are like, oh. and it's like, well, guys, we didn't feel it. You're fine. Everything's okay. It's going to be okay. Now, I want to be clear. I could see some sort of cataclysmic event happening at some time uh, from a spiritual level because I think it's just time. 
I think we're due. <laughs> but, you know, everyone flipping out of this, uh, like you'll see posts like, uh, why is no one talking about this? Because they see a picture. The pic I'm looking at another one right now. It's a concerning looking picture. You don't want your son to look that way. But when you realize that this kind of thing, and I'm no, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I'm not a, uh, an astronomer or a galaxy expert. Well, it's, it's funny. Things like this, I read about it all the time. Things happen like, like this all the time. And it is something that if it were to hit us on a direct hit and these big of flares, it would be, it would, it would hurt the earth. Yeah. But Jupiter and Saturn deflect a lot of it, like their magnetic fields and stuff. Then also our own magnetic field around the earth deflects and absorbs it as well. So there's a lot of things that like, oh, no, it's going to hit us directly. Well, no, it's going to get affected eventually by these other planets that are in our solar system. It's going to be okay. But they, like people who are freaking out leave out that part. <laughs> They're like, we're going to die. And so it's just, you know. Well, the, the hole, because that's what it looks like, and that's kind of yeah. what it is. And the, they say it's bigger than 60 Earths. Yeah. That's, that's significant. It is. I can see why your people are. Our sun is huge. <laughs> yeah, the sun is huge. And it's, it's, it's funny. How big our sun is, it's actually dwarfed in comparison to some of the suns that are out there in our galaxy. and But yet, it's still massive compared to our Earth. Yeah. It is. The more you know. That's, that's, that's that. Okay, folks, you, you saw the link. You, or you, you, you saw the information. The link is drewberkwist.locals.com. Make sure you hit the like button here on Rumble. Make sure you're subscribed here on Rumble. Again, as of right now, this is the only place we're going with the full live stream. So you're here watching. That's great. But make sure you're subscribed so you get an email or a notification about it on your phone when we go live like we do Monday through Thursday. So appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for, for spending some time with us as always. Bring friends back. Keep sharing the love, sharing the word about the show and everything we're trying to do. We hope you continue to enjoy the, the, the week. And this holiday season, we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Be safe. Be smart. Be free.